We'll take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 17. The Gospel of John chapter 17. John 17 contains that longest prayer of Christ that's found in the Scriptures. And last week, we began looking at this prayer by examining the first five verses. And today, I actually want to come back and read those verses, but I want to go even further, and I want to pick up the theme that we noticed in those verses last time. And I want to actually read the whole prayer, which goes much further than the five verses we looked at last week. It goes all the way through verse 26. So let's look at chapter 17. And we're not going to look closely at these verses today. We're just going to pick up the theme that we noticed here last week and uh, look at some other passages throughout God's Word. But we want to begin here this morning in John 17 and, and look at this prayer of Jesus So follow along in your Bible as I read from the English Standard Version. And while I read, I want you to listen for this repeating theme of God's glory. God's glory. So John 17 and verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Jesus goes on in verse 11, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. 
And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And going on in verse 20, Jesus prays, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in uh, in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So there is a clear theme, and I asked you to listen for it. It's that theme of God's glory. And I think this is an important lesson to be learned from the Scriptures. So I want to come back to this idea of God's glory. And we ought to take another look at this this morning. And I think this is an especially important lesson for us to take to heart at Christmas time. Because some of us make a big deal of gift-giving at Christmas. There's a grandma who lives in our household And there are a bunch of presents under our tree. And I haven't looked, but I'm pretty sure none of them have my name on them. Because <laughs> Grandma has grandkids. One new grandchild on Friday morning. And we got to see him uh, Friday. That was a treat just about 12 hours after he was born. A beautiful young man. Just a gift from God. A miracle. Grandmas like to buy presents for their grandkids. Husbands and wives like to buy presents for one another. Maybe you're a gift giver at Christmas time, and that's fine, and that's fine. Some of us are big gift givers, and we really like giving gifts. Some of us like getting them better than we like giving them. And that's fine, as long as we remember this, that believers in Jesus Christ who celebrate Christmas celebrate because of Jesus and his death on the cross. We celebrate his birth because Jesus came and put on human flesh. God came and put on human flesh and dwelt among us and walked this earth. And you may be making a big deal of gift giving, but remember, it's our, it's our role as believers in Jesus Christ to remember that And keep in mind, the real reason we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus came to go to the cross. 
Jesus came to save sinners. You want a testimony? You want something to share with unbelievers? Here's the gospel in just a few words. Jesus came to save sinners. We ought to praise God for that. Now, if we celebrate Christmas, that's the reason we ought to be celebrating. Jesus came to save sinners. And we ought to keep that at the forefront of our celebrating. Why? Why should we keep that at the forefront of our celebrating? Because it's really not celebrating Christmas. is really not about us and our gift giving to each other. It's really about God giving a gift to us through Jesus Christ, His Son. If we celebrate Christmas, that's the reason we ought to celebrate as believers in Jesus. God should get the glory. He sent His Son, God the Son. God should get the glory for that. God should get the glory in all of our Christmas celebrating. So this idea of God being glorified is very important. And we ought not skip over this importance. But how do we know God's glory and the glory He shares with His people is an important topic? Well, we know because God's Word points to it again and again and again that God should get the glory. We know it's important when we read our Bibles because we find it. It is a repeating theme throughout the Scriptures that God should be glorified by people. People should point to God and His glory and praise Him for His goodness and His greatness. We find it throughout the Scriptures. For example, now I want you to turn in your Bible to an Old Testament passage with me. Go to the book of Exodus. And go to Exodus 14 told you we're going to look at a few passages this morning and and, uh, see this repeating theme because this is an important thing for us to take to heart. We hear in Exodus 14 an example of the Lord's desire, God's desire for glory to be given to Him. He is worthy of being glorified and praised. And we find here in Exodus 14 an example of of the Lord's desire for glory to be given to him in the affairs of those who trust in him. Now this is a longer passage, longer than the one I just read in John's Gospel. But I want you to pay attention to it and listen to it. And this is a familiar passage. If you know the Bible, this is probably a familiar recounting of something that actually happened to the people of Israel. And I want you to look at it, and I want you to hear it, and I want you to note the times in this passage that it speaks of the Lord's glory, God's glory. Exodus 14, it's the recounting of the crossing of the Red Sea by Israel. Look at Exodus 14, beginning in verse 1, and follow along as I read. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the desert. The wilderness has shut them in. And God says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know 
that I am the Lord. And they did so. And verse 5 says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pihahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. And verse 10 says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. In verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Verse 15 says, The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground, and it will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall, and I will harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. All those chariots, all those horsemen. Pharaoh, what a powerful guy. Guess what? God will be glorified. God is more powerful. God is mighty and awesome. The Lord will fight for you and you are only to be silent, he says to his people. And so we can see this morning this truth of God getting the glory. We saw it in verse 4. We also saw it in verse 17. We saw it again in verse 18. And the emphasis is on this, that of the Lord being glorified, God being glorified, God being praised. When? When His people trust Him and obey Him. God will be glorified when His people, when His children trust Him and obey Him. 
Now, believers in Jesus haven't replaced Israel. God still has plans for Israel. But this truth that we see in this text, when the Lord says, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only need to be silent, this is still a truth that applies to God's people today, and it includes us who put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today. God will fight for you. He will be glorified. Your role is to trust Him and obey Him. God is glorified when His people trust Him and obey Him. And when we do, and when we yield to Him, and when we follow His ways and obey His Word and take His Word to heart, He fights for us. He's on our side The Lord will fight for you, it said there in Exodus 14, and you have only to be silent. So God's people are not to worry, even though we're tempted to, even though we do worry at times. We're not supposed to worry. We're to trust the Lord who will fight for us. We're to be silent before the Lord. We're not to be fretful and fearful. We're to trust Him and obey Him. God's people are not to worry or be afraid. We're to trust Him and obey Him. And when we do, when we yield to Him, God gets glory. God is praised and glorified. And the world sees it. In fact, it's what Exodus 15 is all about. God getting the glory. Exodus 15. When the people gather, and they, what do they do? They sing a song of praise, giving God the glory. Look at Exodus 15. Look at verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. They are not saying, we, are they? They are saying, He, He gets the glory. God gets the glory. Look at verse 6. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Who gets the glory? God does. They're not saying our right hand. They are not saying we are mighty. It was clear to them God had done this. God had worked. And look at verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome and glorious, doing wondrous deeds? The the obvious answer is, no one is like God. God is to be glorified. And then in verse 21, we see this. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and His rider, He has thrown them into the sea. Not we. He. God. God is to be glorified. God is to be praised. God should be honored and obeyed and trusted. And when we honor Him and obey Him, when we trust Him, we glorify Him. We point to Him as the Almighty. He deserves to be glorified. He ought to be made much of. And the purpose of our glorifying God as seen in verses, well, verse 18 of Exodus 14 is so that people say, 
of God that he knows, as he says about himself, that, that they will know that I am the Lord. So when people see the power of God at work in the people of God because they are trusting him and they are obeying him, they will know, says God, that I am the Lord. Who's getting the glory then? God is. And that's as it should be. There's another example of this, of other people seeing God for who He is when we glorify Him, when, when we trust Him and we obey Him. Turn with me back to the New Testament and to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. In Luke 18, we have a passage where we see Jesus healing the blind beggar. And I want you to look at this with me and look for a, we could call it a glory sighting, where God is given glory. And see if you can spot the purpose for God getting the glory fulfilled here. Follow along as I read Luke chapter 18 and and verses 35 through 43. So Luke 18 and verse 35, As he drew near Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Did you see it? <laughs> Did you, how could you not see it? Did you hear it? Where's the glory here? Look at verse 43 again. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. So there the man is, he's praising and he's glorifying God when when Jesus gives him his sight. When Jesus gives him his sight, he glorifies and praises God. Where's the purpose for God getting the glory fulfilled in this passage? Think about God's purpose for his glory being seen and for him being praised. Where's this purpose for God's glory being fulfilled in this passage? Where's the evidence That people saw God for who he is here. Look again at verse 43. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. They saw the healing as this man, as God doing something, God working this miracle, and they gave praise to God. So God is praised. And God is glorified by people. 
when people realize that this man has been healed by Jesus Christ, God was glorified. God was praised as he should be. And it's as a result of what Jesus did. Now think about yourself. You can't work miracles, and I'm not going to suggest that you can. We don't work miracles. God does. But how do you glorify God? How are you and I to be glorifying God? You can glorify God by, well, first of all, by giving Him praise. That's the easiest way for you to glorify God. Give God praise. Praise Him for who He is. Praise Him for what He has done. Praise Him for what He is doing. Praise Him for what He promises to do. Praise Him for sending Jesus to be born as a baby. God in human flesh. Praise Him for sending Jesus to the cross. To die on the cross for sinners. Praise Him. You can praise Him. Praise Him for who He is. Make God's goodness known to anyone who will listen to you praise Him. Praise God. Make God's goodness known to people who are believers. Encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ by praising God and glorifying God for who He is. Make God's glory known to unbelievers, to those who do not Know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Make God's goodness known to them. Praising God for His goodness. Praising God for His faithfulness. This is a wonderful way for you to praise God. For you to point to God so that God gets the glory. Another way you can give praise to God and glorify Him for who He is is to trust Him. Trust Him. If you trust God, it will become evident in your life. People will take note that you trust God. That glorifies God. You trust God. You believe in His Word. You know what comes next? If you trust God and you believe in His Word, then you take steps to obey Him and honor Him. It will become obvious in your life that you trust God and God will get the glory. We see it spoken of in Romans 4, and this was true of Abraham when God told him that his offspring would be great in number, even though he was old. What did he do? He trusted God. And he had faith in God's promises because what God promises will come true. Listen to Romans 4.20. It says of him, No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Listen to that again. It says, He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Can you give glory to God? Even though your faith is little? Yes, you can. Can you praise God for who He is even though your faith is little? Yes, you can. He grew strong in His faith as He gave glory to God. So trust God. Believe His Word. Ask God for something. God, would you grow my faith? 
Would you strengthen my faith to trust you more and more and more every day? And as you trust in God, and as you obey His Word, He grows your faith even more. And guess who gets the glory when you trust Him more? God does. Trust God and obey. And as you trust God and obey, He grows your faith more, and your obedience brings great glory to God. Listen to the prayer of Paul and Timothy for the saints at Philippi. Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Guess what happens when God's people are filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. We're talking about obedience, if you're wondering what that means. Being obedient to God because you believe in His Word and you trust in His promises and you realize you must obey His commands. God gets gloried. God gets the glory. He gets glorified to the glory and praise of God, it says. Listen to that again. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You're only able to obey if Jesus lives in you. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and he has sent his spirit to dwell in you, and he has if you've trusted in him, now you're able to obey. Now you're able to take steps of obedience to his word. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You're only able to be righteous in God's eyes because Jesus paid it all on the cross of Calvary for your sins. And know what purpose our righteousness, our obedience serves. It's not for our glory. It's not for people to look and say, oh, what good people. That, that group of people from Chardon Baptist. Not what, that's not what God's about. God is about being glorified, and rightly so. It is to the glory and praise of God, it says. So seek to live your life for Jesus. At Christmas time, remember, as you're giving gifts and celebrating, give those gifts as a reminder to you and to others that God gives the best gift ever. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for sinners. He didn't come to get something, he came to give something. So seek to live your life for Christ faithfully. Not just to gain something, although you will gain something from God as you serve Him. You might want joy and contentment, but guess what? When you honor God with your obedience, you're going to get joy and contentment that you didn't even know existed in the ways that you didn't realize you could get them from God. God is pleased to give you joy and peace and contentment and wisdom, and faith, growing faith, as you honor Him with your life. But I want you to think about your obedience. As you go into the new week, and you seek to live for Christ, think about your obedience this week. Think about your obedience and growth in Christ-likeness in a different light. Think of it as bringing God great glory. Your life pointing others to your Savior. 
making clear to other people around you just who God is, just how mighty and powerful and to be praised God is, that He is powerful to save, that He is powerful to change lives for all eternity. That is, in fact, why God the Father sent God the Son to be born as a baby. This is why believers in Jesus can celebrate Christmas like no one else on earth. God's people who celebrate Christmas ought to be able to celebrate Christmas better than anybody else. Believers in Jesus know why and how to give praise to God and glory to His name. Jesus came to live a sinless life and then to be the sacrifice on the cross for sinners so that many, many would be saved and have their lives gloriously changed for all eternity. And this, too, brings great glory to God. God is glorified when people see God and His mighty works, and He is showing Himself as mighty in His people today and through His people. You must trust Him. You must obey Him. And your life will glorify Him.